If you're online, we uh, want to welcome you to our online service. My name is Mike Schroeder, and my wife and I serve as pastors here on the team, along with our senior pastors, Matt and Tanya. I just thought I'd get started. I'm glad that uh, I'm glad that you're all here. It's good to see the buzz of people greeting each other, and. Uh, I, I can see you barely, but that's okay. Uh, I think you're out there. So I guess uh, no, no sleeping, though, while I'm talking, okay? I can't, I can't see all your eyes. Uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to getting into the Word. What a great, uh, what a great time we've had so far. I just want to say I, I happen to be involved with that women's event uh, on the weekend, and it was... Uh, I, I was just doing stuff I had to get done, okay? I, I wasn't there as an attendee officially. It's, there's no confusion here, okay? <laughs> but it was great. It was great. And I'm so proud of uh, all the workers, all the team that all came together to do it all, led, my, led by my fearless wife, Ev. And God bless you, hon. A woman of great many talents and great passion. And beautiful too. There you go. Uh, we're we're in the middle of a series. We're kind of just getting started, but it's going to be over soon, I guess. It's not going to be a long, long series. But this series is Jesus in my everything. And it's have you been enjoying the the, the series so far? Pastor Matt has just done such a great job of of laying a foundation. Uh, everyday joy, everyday endurance, everyday mercy, everyday grace, everyday truth. It comes from Jesus Christ being in our life every day. So awesome. And there's a scripture here that is sort of our theme. It's in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 27. And I I went backwards for you guys on the doing the PowerPoint there, the, uh, the projection, but we're at Colossians 1.27. For God wanted them to know that the riches and glory of Christ are for everyone, the Gentiles and the Jews, for the outsiders and the insiders. And this is the secret. Christ lives in you. And this gives you assurance of sharing His glory. We were singing that song earlier, and I felt like God was... Uh, putting a word in my spirit about this. Uh, when he shall come with trumpet sound, O oh, may I then in him be found, dressed in his righteousness alone, faultless to stand before the throne. We sang that song earlier. Anybody remember that? Yeah. And, and that is my future. That is your future. I have a prediction for you. It's going to be like that. And, and we, will, we will be uh, amazed because our eyes will be opened at, at the glory and grandeur and grace and, and love of God and how big and how great God is. That will, that will happen. That's our future. But that is your now as well. When we come to Christ, when we come to come and, and, and pray and seek Him, when we come to worship Him, you know, there's many folks that do struggle with, with guilt and insecurity about their place and 
whether they fit, whether they've been a good enough Christian this week. And we kind of get the, you know, the, the thermometer and we, we check and see if we're hot for Jesus or not. And sometimes we feel like, oh man, I fall so short. But when we come to God in prayer, in worship, when we, when we speak to him, when we're walking along in, our, in our, all these everyday experiences, we don't come to God because, you know, we're feeling really good about life and we're feeling really good about how good we're doing. We don't actually even come to him uh, because we, we need so much. But we come to him in, in a sense of strength, in a sense of, of you know, it's, it's so funny because you need to be humble about these things. <laughs> but we're dressed in his righteousness. And so what happens is we put our coat on. We... We just put on our jacket. You know how to do that? Uh, anybody need help, uh, you know, knowing how to put your jacket on? Nobody, I, I think. <laughs> but we know how to do that, and that's exactly how we come to God. We put on his righteousness. It's not fake. It's, it's a gift from God. It's like you put on your jacket. It's your jacket. You didn't make it. You may not even have bought it. You might have been, you know, it might have been a gift. You might have found it lost and found somewhere and thought, oh, I like this. But we are dressed in his righteousness. We come to him with full assurance. We come to him with full assurance. Yes. We don't have to feel like, oh, man, I wish I did better. Well, you know what? You're probably right. Could have done better. So get over it. <laughs> I could have done better, too. But we don't come because we did better or didn't do better. We come because of his righteousness. That's the confidence we have now, in the now. But in the future, that's our future. Where it's going to be like, it's going to be so much better. And one of the words I have for you this morning, and it's, it's all of my notes. It's not in my notes, but it's all of my notes. And that is this. Jesus is more than you think. There's more to him than you think. And we want to talk to you about Jesus today. We want to talk to you about Jesus in my hopes and fears. Jesus in my hopes and fears. And I, there's a couple of scriptures I want to read here. Then we're going to pray. But I want to talk to you about John the Baptist for a little while. Then I want to talk to you a lot about Jesus. And, uh, and then we'll be dismissed after uh, we'll be turning it back over to Pastor Matt. All right, so I, I, there's a couple of scriptures that just sort of lay a, a bit of a, I guess, a context for, for hoping and fearing. Uh, a lot of us, uh, we don't maybe feel like we have fears, but, you know, there's, there's folks that you might even be watching online right now, and it's because of anxieties that you're struggling with. And anxiety is very real in our culture right now. We live in some of the greatest days of history, and yet there's so much anxiety, and it, it's really uh, a contradiction in lots of ways. But here's, here's something that really blessed me this week. I just wanted to share this with you from Proverbs chapter 10. It says that the fear of the Lord adds length to life, but the years of the wicked are cut short. Look at this. The prospect of the righteous is joy, but the hopes of the wicked come to nothing. The prospect, the, uh, the future, the, the, uh, 
the results that you could say, the, the kind of, the, the context of, of the righteous life, the fu your future is joy. Yeah. It's joy. And it's because of the fear of the Lord. And we're talking about fear and hope and, and today. And, you know, a lot of us struggle and not struggle, but experience these things. We experience great hope. We experience fear. We've been disillusioned in the past. That's a hard thing. Excuse me, I had some hiccups there. Uh, it's a hard thing to go through disillusionment. But in some ways, it's a good thing because you don't want to live your life just kind of not having a clue, <laughs> not realizing what life is all about. We, we need to know the reality of where we're at. Uh, but 1 John chapter 4, I love this portion, John, 1 John chapter 4. Uh, there's no fear in love. But perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. And the one who fears is not made perfect in love. And so when we're going through anxiety, when we're going through fear, what we need to consider is how can I deepen my experience with God's love? And it starts with believing that he loves us. It starts with coming close to him and allowing his love to touch our heart. And uh, there's a lot of sort of trite expressions that are out there, and, and they might even be a little bit hard to hear because they don't seem to, you know, they don't seem to be the solution we're kind of looking for. But I, I want to I talk to you today about what it actually means to experience God's love, to experience and see Jesus the way he is, and to look to him. How do I look to him in my time of trouble? So let's just... Uh, Let's just pray right now. Lord, thank you for your word. Lord, people are here in the house and watching online because they really want you. And Lord, you said, come close to me, and I'm going to come close to you. So Lord, we just, we believe that. We want, to, we want to experience your closeness right now. I pray for each and every one in Jesus' name, Lord, that we can really receive this from you, from your hand, from your heart to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So how, what does it mean to have the resurrected Christ living in me, and how does this truth impact my hopes and fears? You know, the people of Israel, around the time when Jesus was walking this earth, they had expectations, man. They, they were looking for the Messiah. They had been hearing for hundreds and hundreds of years that there's a Messiah coming, and he's going to make all things right. And the expectation was, I mean, think of it, they had been for, I don't know if it's 400 years, uh, I think it might be 400 years they had been overrun by different world powers, um, you know, started out with Assyria, and then it, uh, and then it went into uh, Babylon, and then per Persia, and then the Greece, and Alexander the Great, and all that came, and then the Roman Empire came with you know, they, they talked about peace, the, the peace of Rome, and it was all about their military, you know, controlling everybody. And that was, that was the peace of Rome. But, you know, and, and Israel, the land, the people, they, they believed that the Messiah was coming, and their expectation was a political Messiah. And, and so that was a big part of the problem with, uh, with the people around Jesus because, you know, he was really... They were being disillusioned. They, they were expecting something that Jesus actually wasn't 
coming to bring at that time. They were expecting it all at once, and there was a plan that God had that was to include so many more people because he is the Lamb of God that took away the sin of the earth, the sin, away of, the sin of the world. And uh, he is the Savior. He is the healer. Jesus Christ is the one who came to be with us, to show us the Father. And I'm getting ahead of myself, but that's okay. We'll come back here to John the Baptist, who he was uh, somewhat of a cousin. I think he was a third cousin once removed of Jesus. And uh, uh, he, his, his mom actually was pregnant with him, uh, about six months pregnant. And then Mary, who was pregnant with Jesus, came to visit her cousin Elizabeth. That's John the Baptist's mother. And John the Baptist had an encounter with the Holy Spirit in the womb. And the, the Bible says he, he left the inside. Now, I've experienced that with my hand on my wife's uh, tummy when our kids were pregnant, but I've never experienced how that must have fe felt for Elizabeth. to And she was filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, if she was filled with the Holy Spirit, I was thinking about that today. Well, John was th in there, <laughs> so he must have imp been impacted by the Holy Spirit too as, as a, a pre-born person. And uh, there was these encounters that John the Baptist had, and, and he was an amazing guy. A little wild and crazy. He lived out in the middle of nowhere and obviously had been met by God and had been taught by God all kinds of things. And, and he knew that he was the one who was to make way for the Messiah. But he had this expectation that the Messiah was going to, like he had been taught and heard all of his, you know, growing up years. And he, they were expecting deliverance from Rome right then. And so there was this sort of un uncertainty about the situation, but he had a, a, such a powerful encounter with the Holy Spirit. He was a prophet, and he saw Jesus. And uh, it, uh, I've got to find it here. In, first, in John chapter 1, the Gospel of John chapter 1, and Jesus came into where he was, uh, G, uh, John the Baptist was there, and he was preaching to the crowds, and he was, you know, kind of rough and tough, and, and uh, Jesus was, was different. Uh, he liked more the, the people life. And John said to, saw Jesus, and he, he said, look, there's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He's the one I was talking about. When I said, a man is coming after me who is far greater than I am, for he existed long before me. And so there's John, and I'm, I'm not sure if this was before Jesus was baptized or, or after. I think it might be after. And then he was, the next day, he was with his disciples, John was, and he saw Jesus, and, and he says, yeah, there, there he is again. There's the Lamb of God. Look, there's the Lamb of God. And when two of John's disciples... Uh, they are named. I just didn't take the time to figure out which two they were. But anyway, they went and they followed Jesus too. And they became part of his entourage, part of his disciples. Now, the women in, uh, that were at our Friday night meeting this week, you heard Carrie Harvey uh, tell the story of John the Baptist in prison. Remember that? How many women remember that when Carrie was talking about that? And I... I had these notes all printed out, and I went and showed them to Carrie after. And 
you know, John the Baptist, he baptized Jesus. First of all, he was related. He had an experience with the Holy Spirit right before he was born. All of his life, he knew something was up with this Jesus, and he was expecting some things. He saw Jesus, and he didn't say, there's Jesus who's going to deliver us from Rome. He said, there's Jesus who takes away the sin of the world. Wow. Think of it. And now he got into hot water. He got political, and he was on, he was on YouTube, and he was saying all kinds of stuff about King Herod, and, uh, and, didn't, and they didn't like that, and Herod's wife was mad because she, that was, you know, the whole, it was a real schmoz. And so there's John the Baptist in prison. He doesn't know what his future is. And now he's, he's by himself, and he's starting to feel like, did I get this wrong? And he started, fear actually started coming into his heart. He had this hope that Jesus was going to be the Messiah deliverer from Rome. And now he's thinking, did I get this wrong? Is he, is he really the one? And so he sent two of his guys over to Jesus. And he asked them, look, talk to him for me, will you? Because after, after all, he was in prison. He couldn't do that. So here he is. we are in Matthew 11 and verse 2. John the Baptist, who was in prison, heard all the things the Messiah was doing, and so he sent his disciples to ask Jesus, are, are you the Messiah we've been expecting, or should we keep looking for someone else? And what did Jesus say? He says, well, you know, I'm kind of humble here, and, you know, I'm just the son of man, and, you know, you're, you're the greatest prophet. And No, he said, listen, I, I want you to just, here it is, okay? Tell John what you're hearing and what you're seeing. You're seeing seeing deliverance. You're seeing freedom. You're seeing salvation. You're seeing the blind see, the lame walk, those with leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life, and the good news is being preached to the poor. Wow. Look at Jesus. Look at Jesus and what he's done, what he's doing. And, you know, that's one of those sort of Christian solutions that we have to all of our problems. Just put, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Well, what does it mean? How do you do that? And I would, I just like to, you know, I have a lot of uh, suggestions here. I think one, two, three, four. I think I have seven. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on all of them. And I was thinking after, a, you know, there's, there's already, you know, five more on my list I could add. There's a lot of things about Jesus. There's way more to him than we think. You know, he revealed God. He came to reveal God in a person, in the form of a person. But that's, that's not everything about him. That was part of the revelation. But we need to understand that there's a lot more to Jesus than meets or met our eyes. And uh, so let's just go through some of these. First of all, it's uh, in Hebrews chapter 2. We see Jesus as our helper. And I think that's really good. We can come to him. We can see him as our helper. He cares about you. He's experienced. And I love the thought of this. You know, Jesus knows everything, right? He's God. He is omniscient. Uh, That's one of those great words, those great theology. Theological words. He's omniscient. Do you ever say that word? It's really a cool word. Say, say it. Omniscient. That means he knows everything. 
But it's not only his omniscience that helps him understand you and me. He's experienced. He's experienced all kinds of temptations. He's experienced all kinds of fear, which is a temptation to, un to unbelief. He's experienced all this, all the whole gamut of human life. I was going to say of human experience, but too many times. But Jesus, he, he knows from experience what you and I are going through. Uh, that, that's kind of almost unbelievable. Almighty God experienced some of the stuff I've experienced. Man, I wouldn't want him to have to go through that, but he did. Since he himself has gone through suffering and testing, he's able to help us when we are being tested, when we are being tempted. He is able to come to you and me in our time of weakness, and he says, listen, I understand. I understand. I got you. Amen. Amen. I know some of you quiet ones want to say what Pastor Matt just said. That's right. Come on. We see Jesus as the one who shows us the Father. It isn't good cop, bad cop, and Jesus is the nice guy and the Father is the mean one. Jesus and the Father are the same. They're, they're one, including the Holy Spirit. It's, it's one and three and three and one, as that prayer that Graham read to us. And what, what, we, what Jesus showed us, well, that's what the Father's like. Your Heavenly Father loves you. Remember John 3, 16? For God was so angry at all the bad people, he had to do something about it. I almost said a naughty word. <laughs> anyway, that's not what it says. It said God loved the world so much. That he gave, he showed us how much he loved us, and that's a, it's a mystery. I, I, I don't really know how he could do that, but he did. So grateful. We see Jesus as the one who's building his church, and you know we wish the church was better. We wish the work, the church was this or that, but you know Jesus is building his church, and he is the one who's looking after things. And the church is going to be and is a place where even the, the last defenses of hell will not prevail against the church. I want to just take the time to read this beautiful uh, expression here. Jesus is present in his church. And remember I was, I've said a couple of times now that you know, there's more to him than, than you think. Well, let's look at the, the unveiling behind the curtain. That's what Revelation means. In Revelation chapter 1, we see a glimpse of Jesus in a way that he didn't show himself, really. Uh, he did just a couple of hints to a couple of people on a mountain called the Mount of Transfiguration. But here he is here in, in description from uh, the book of Revelation. Chapter 1, starting in verse 13. And here he is standing in the middle of the lampstands. Uh, someone like the Son of Man. John hung out with him for three and a half years or three years, whatever, knew him pretty well. And here's John saying, he, 
somewhat, he kind of looked like the Son of Man. Wow. He was wearing a long robe with a gold sash across his chest. His, his head and, there, and his hair were white like wool. I know the feeling. As white as snow. And his eyes were like flames of fire. And his feet were like polished bronze refined in a furnace. And his voice thundered like mighty ocean waves. And he held seven stars in his right hand. And a sharp two-edged sword came from his mouth. That, that picture is kind of freaky. And his face was like the sun in all of his brilliance. Jesus was in the midst of these seven lampstands, which refers to the seven churches that he is going to be addressing. But Jesus in the church, he's not like us. That's a good thing. You know, because if we're looking at each other and thinking, you know what, if that's, if that's church, I'm not sure. <laughs> but you know what, Jesus is in the house and he's in every person and he is awesome. And he is present with you and me. He's present to care. He's present to speak words to us that may be a little pointy and sharp. He's present to comfort us, but he's able. Our God is able. He's able to bring us through. He's with you. He's in front of you. He's behind you. You heard this earlier. He's on your right hand. He's above you. He's within you. And underneath, I love it, underneath are the everlasting arms. And he'll carry you if you need to be carried. Jesus Christ is in the midst of his church. See him that way. So when we say, well, let's just look, keep our eyes on Jesus, well, there's some things that we can kind of connect with here. He's the Savior of the world. Look, look, he's the Savior of the world. He's the one who's our helper. He shows us the Father. He's building his church. He's present in the church. Jesus Christ is reigning today. He is the Lord right now. And there's a little asterisk there because it's the what I call, and I, someone said this. I didn't get it. I didn't make this up, but I call it the presence of the future. Okay, here it is in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 uh, and verse 25. Jesus must reign. That's what he's doing now. He's reigning. Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen? Okay, let's get our heads around this. He must reign until he puts all of his enemies beneath his feet. And the last enemy to be destroyed is death. So Jesus is ruling and reigning now, but what is he doing up there? Just kind of chilling? No, he is dealing with things. Not everything has been dealt with yet. And the last enemy to be destroyed is death. He defeated death on the cross, but there's some, something, it's, it's the now and not yet. There's this process, this in-between time that we are in right now. And so we need to see him as someone who is on the throne. Jesus is on the throne. And I'm thinking, well, if he's on the throne, man, how come I can't get my locker open? You know, it's like, God, help us. And we can come to him for help. But there's this 
this now and not yet, the presence of the future, Jesus Christ is Lord of all. But the last enemy that will be destroyed is death. Well, that's the last one. Well, I'm, I have a theory, Now I'm going to stop preaching just for a moment, just tell you what I think, and you can take it or leave it. Okay, you ready? I think that things like cancer are like the second last one. And we've seen tastes, we've seen some people healed of some of these things, but frankly, I haven't seen enough for my satisfaction. But I believe that there's still more to come. That's what I think. But that's just me. So let's come back now to the word. Jesus is reigning and ruling now, and the last enemy to be destroyed is death. And when that time comes, he's going to take the kingdom, and he's going to give it to the Father. I don't understand how that all works, because I just don't. But it's true. And we see Jesus as the one who's coming again. And there will come a time that's not over. If you're breathing, it's still not over. And, it, you know, if... if, if uh, if history is un, un, unfolding, it's not over yet, but there's coming a day when it's going to be the last day of history on earth. And uh, it says here in Titus, we look forward with hope. We look forward with hope to that wonderful day when the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be revealed. Oh, hallelujah. There's coming a day when all the I's will be dotted, all the T's will be crossed, all of our fears will melt away, all of our hopes will be realized. Yeah. Oh, hallelujah. hallelujah. It's not over yet. Yes. Hallelujah. <laughs> so maybe we could just go back on the slides here to uh, slide number, what number? Seven. We see Jesus as our helper. We see Jesus as the one who shows us the Father. We see him as the one who's building his church. We see him as the one who's present in his church. We see him as the one who's reigning today. He's exalted. Oh, I didn't mention that, did I? We do see Jesus. We do see him now crowned with glory and honor. And uh, that is such a blessing. Okay, I just want to say one more thing that's not on the slides or in my notes, and that is the 2 Corinthians chapter 5. It says that we don't look at Jesus the way we used to. We don't look at Jesus the way we used to. We shouldn't look at each other either in a sort of a human way, but we should see one another as a new creation in Christ. Because old things have passed away, and look, all things have become new. That's where that context is of that scripture that we like to think about ourselves. It's actually about how we see Jesus and how we see one another. But it, we're, we're, part of the, we're part of the group. It's okay. We can think of it ourselves as well. All right. And I, I want to close with one more scripture, and that is in 1 Peter. And then I'm going to turn the kingdom over to Pastor Matt. Put all your hope, listen, all your hope. Okay, I'm going to put all my hope. I got all my sort of, all my marbles in one bag. Is that all my eggs in one basket? You know what I'm saying? All my hope. Do we hope for this, that, and the other thing? Okay, good, but here's a scripture for us. We're talking about fear. We're talking about hope. Listen, put all your hope in the gracious salvation. Well, I've been saved. Well, there's, that's right, but it's not all finished yet. 
We put all our hope in the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. Amen. Amen. I, I think that is good teaching, if I may. That's good. That's good. Thank you, Pastor Mike. Such a good word. Amen. The question is, of course, we know that Jesus is risen from the dead. We know that he lives inside of us. So what does that mean for our hopes and our fears? And I just thought that was such a, a powerful message for us today. Thank you, Pastor Mike. And as you were preaching, I was thinking about the idea of hopes and fears. And I was thinking about how that's such a paradoxical idea. You've got hopes on one side. You've got fears on the other side. Those are almost extreme ideas. And in between those extreme ideas can be a lot of uncertainty. And so what you just did was shared with us the truth of Jesus that helps to see through that uncertainty into something that we can rely on and we can hold on to. And so I think a really appropriate response this morning would be for us to acknowledge that by singing Cornerstone. So if we all stand together, and we're just going to sing that chorus together. Tani's going to play it. And we're just going to sing together Christ Alone Cornerstone in the midst of these paradoxical ideas of hope and fear, these extremes that can have us kind of waffling between one side and the other, we have a firm foundation that we can rely on, and his name is Jesus. Amen? Amen. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly trust in Jesus' name. Christ alone. Christ alone. Cornerstone. Weak, made strong in the same.
I just really just got this sense in my spirit as we were singing that between that 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 paradox, that dichotomy, the storm of hopes and fears, um, the difference between the two. Um, I just really got this picture in my mind about this image of Jesus that becomes so clear. And I don't know if you're here today and you're, you're facing a storm in your life, but I want to pray for you today as you leave that we would each have, the Bible says in Ephesians that um, it says that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened that you would know is the hope of your calling and what are the riches of the inheritance of the saints. So I really want to believe for you this week that you're going to have a clear vision of Jesus. As, as Pastor Mike was sharing the truths about how we can see him, I'm going to believe today that God's going to meet you right where you are and give you a clear vision. So if, if you're here today, you're saying, Matt, my vision feels muddied. I can't really see clearly because I've been wrestling with hopes and I've been wrestling with fears and I need to see a clear picture of Jesus. If that's you today, you just want a fresh vision of Jesus, just lift your hand wherever you are, church. This is an act of faith. And then, um, and then even for those that are around us, if, if you're around them and, and you say, I, I don't feel that way, you're welcome to turn and, and lay your hands on other people around you. And let's just join our faith this morning and believe God to come and give clear vision to those that are lacking it. All right, so I'm going to go ahead and just pray out over you today. We're going to join together and then we're going to release you today. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your presence in this place. Lord, we thank you for your word that promises, Lord God, that you will um, reveal yourself to us, Lord God. Your word that says uh, that the eyes of their heart would be enlightened, that they would know what is the hope of their calling, the riches of the inheritance of the saints. God, I pray in Jesus' name, Lord God, that today you would do that. You would enlighten our eyes. You would enlighten our minds, Lord God, and we would get a clear image of who you are, Lord God. I pray in Jesus' name for clarity of thought. I pray for clarity of mind, Lord God. I pray, Lord Jesus, that it would it would pierce through the confusion, Lord God. And I pray that, Lord, this week, Lord God, we would walk in confidence, knowing, in strong confidence, knowing the fear of the Lord, knowing your presence, Lord God, and knowing, Lord Jesus, that you go before us, Lord God. We love you, Lord Jesus. We thank you for what you're doing in our lives today, Lord God. We pray for freedom and clarity in Jesus' mighty name. God, we pray that this week we would walk in it, Lord God, and we thank you for it now. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen, amen, amen.